FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 84 of the podcast that goes snick. Snick, 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 I'm going to do this 84 times. No, you're not. I'm Jason, nifty and very naughty, venable. And I'm joined by Denise, pipsqueak, psychopath, venable. And we are your host for this flashback episode. I don't like Pip Squeak. I'm short. <laughs> exactly. I got short person syndrome. You better watch it. I might cut you. Oh, okay. Anyway, this episode we're going to focus on fairy tale Wolverine. Fairy tale Wolverine? Fairy tale Wolverine. Why is he fairy tale Wolverine? Apparently you did not read the whole last issue. I skimmed. <laughs> Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna cover Uncanny X Men one fifty one through one fifty three. Woohoo! And um, yeah, very kitty centric issues. But we'll talk more about that as we get into it. And uh, we got some good Wolverine stuff. So um, yeah, I guess uh, let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. All right, let's go. Okay, so first up we have Uncanny X-Men number 151. This is X-Men minus one. <gasps> Gasp! Written by Chris Claremont. Uh, we have a small team of artists with Jim Sherman, Bob McCloyd, and Joseph Rubenstein. Cheers! Letterer is Tom Orzakowski, and colorist is Bonnie Wilford. Did you get my Stein joke? Yes. Stein, beard, cheers. <laughs> All right, so this cover is by Cockrum and Rubenstein. The day Kitty Pride leaves the X-Men is the day the X-Men fall. <gasps> Not really. No. <laughs> anyway, we have Kitty, and she's leaving the X-Men with a suitcase. That's, That's as so big as her. heavy she needs two hands to carry it. Yeah, and it makes her cry. Cry <laughs> just trying to pick it up. Yeah. We have Elvis Colossus standing in the background. We have Nightcrawler floating over a uh, rail. He's not exactly sitting on it. No, he's not. (laughs) And his tail's wrapped around it. Yeah, but he's just kind of floating over it somehow. Hmm. Um, Not a great cover. What do you think of this cover, Denise? Actually, I kind of liked... So from a typographical standpoint, I love how she's in front of the word X-Men. Yeah, actually, the kitty part's not bad. Yeah. The, but the rest of the cover is pretty horrible. So that kind of averages out to a okay cover. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't like all the X-Men in the background, but I kind of like the layout. The fact that there's, you know, people in the background, kitties up front. She kind of makes this triangle on the, the front cover. And I do like the detail in Kitty, like her Star of David necklace. and Right. Um, she does look distraught. However, I will say maybe not necessarily in this one, but in the other one, and I'll make a point. I don't like the way they draw her eyes. She's very doe-eyed. Yes. Full of wonder and youthful exuberance. She looks like she's drawn from Disney. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. 
So last we left, the X-Men uh, defeated Magneto. Magneto got away, right? Yep. So we're going to have some downtime, right? Sure. All right. They're in swimsuits. Yeah. All right. So Professor X receives a letter from Kitty's parents that she is transferring to the Massachusetts Academy. Oh, no. Where Emma Frost, <gasps> the White Queen, is headmistress. Kitty doesn't want to go, but her parents insist. Storm drives her over to the other school. After Kitty is escorted away, Storm runs into Emma, who uses her side power, I thought at the time, to Freaky Friday them. Storm in Emma's body is locked away, while Emma in Storm's body heads back to the X-Mansion. Shaw sicks the Sentinels on the X-Men. Emma in Storm's body as Storm saves the day but turns on her teammates and takes them all out. Storm in Emma's body escapes but is nearly overrun with her newfound untrained telepathy. She very quickly gains control (laughs) and finds Kitty but accidentally knocks her out. Oops. To be continued. You got a dry erase board. You figured that one out. (laughs) All right. So right off the bat, we get a splash page. That is awful. They're all wearing swimsuits. And Kitty looks like she's 40. Yeah. Kitty, who's 13 and a half, (laughs) is in her uh, two-piece bikini. Which, you know, fine. Teenagers wear bikinis. I get it. Yeah. What I don't get (laughs) is I understand Professor X is in a wheelchair. Why does he have T-Rex arms for legs? <laughs> he has the tiniest little legs. He's paralyzed. They're not shriveled up. Why does he always have a blanket if he can't feel them? To keep them, his legs warm. But he can't feel them. He can't move them. It still gets cold, I guess. I don't know. There is no point for him to wear pants if he's just going to put a blanket on <laughs> yes. his lap. He should just not wear pants. Kitty, come sit on my lap. <laughs> wow. Went straight to the pedophilia, ladies and gentlemen. But the rest of the X-Men look equally as horrible. We have Colossus in a pinstripe bikini briefs. Cyclops looks terrible. Nightcrawler is running like a dog. (laughs) And Wolverine has this classic workout towel. And Cyclops looks like he should be at the beach, but he has entirely too many clothes on. Yes. Well, they're not all at the beach. Wolverine's obviously coming from the danger room. And who knows what Nightcrawler was doing. He was at the dog. Always channel. scratching behind his ear with his foot. I do like how when Kitty leaves that she's become good friends with everybody. Even she's even made good with Nightcrawler, who she was originally scared of. She's really close to Wolverine. And we get our first kiss with <clears throat> our first kiss with Colossus. So we get to the school, which this is the first appearance of the Massachusetts Academy, which will later be home of the Hellions which we've done in recent episodes lately. (laughs) So she has a student guide. Apparently in the 80s, some words didn't mean the same thing. (laughs) Because her student guide is named Muffy. (laughs) So either this is the start of an all-girls school porno, (laughs) or Chris Claremont had no idea what he was doing. But Muffy's going to show Kitty around the grounds, if you know what I mean. Here are the showers. The hedges need trimming. (laughs) (laughs) 
In 81, the hedges always needed trimming. This podcast is going downhill fast. <laughs> yep. So, so later they talk about how this all went according to the Hellfire Club's plan. <laughs> which I'm calling BS because I'm sure they had a plan with Kitty. I understand that. That makes sense. Yeah, but how do they know? There's no way they could have known that Storm was the one that would drive her. No, but. And spoiler. And like switching bodies with Storm was the exact plan. No, but I kind of got the feeling reading the next one, it didn't matter who it was. They just want, they needed to switch bodies with someone. So what if it was just the long guy? Hey, it still got them inside Xavier's school. Okay. It's a huge flaw, I will admit. Okay. So the Sentinels are attacking, and Amanda Sefton, Nightcrawler's adopted sister girlfriend. <laughs> Ew. Is running around the grounds. Him and Nightcrawler were making out in the dark when the Sentinels ambushed them. Ew. Uh, she says to herself, Mother can reduce that thing to melted swag with a gest- gesture, talking about the Sentinel. But the spells I've been taught aren't effective against material, real-world objects, especially those made of cold iron. So basically, the, tel- the spells you were thought are pretty useless. Yeah. <laughs> And they have no real-world application at all. What has she been taught? How to remove yeah. pimples? No, she's been taught how to imagine things. Uh, those aren't spells. <laughs> Harry Potter. That's just being locked in the closet. <laughs> Make yourself an imaginary friend. Yeah. All right, so then we get an interesting thing where it talks about Wolverine's claws being housed in his forearms. Which is how I've always remembered them, but flies directly in contrast of what we heard last flashback episode, where it talked about his claws being housed in the backs of his hands. But his claws are so long, of course. Exactly. No, this is right, and this makes more sense. It just didn't take Claremont very long to correct himself. <laughs> That's the only point I was making. Oh. And we do find out for sure they are cla- they are housed in his forearms. That the panel of the Sentinels coming out of the lake should be an awesome panel, but it's not. Because they're at different levels. Well, it's just not drawn very well. Yeah. I, I mean, I get that a lake is But a is better not... artist makes a really kick-ass panel out of this scene. Yeah. All right, so I like Nightcrawler's plan with the bombs, and he teleports around from Sentinel leg to Sentinel leg, planting uh, explosives on their kneecaps. Thought that was really cool. And take him out from the kneecaps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Nightcrawler Mafia. So yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool panel. I don't like how Storm is drawn in the panel before it. In any of this issue, uh, I well, agree. that too. All right, anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I will say I I didn't catch on at first when I first read this, but at lunch today I skimmed through it again, and so. The one thing that I did like that this comic did was when Storm goes off and she brings Kitty to the school. Her hair's all wrapped up in a turban, I guess the best way to describe it. A wrap, yeah, a shawl of some sort. And then as she leaves, like, the turban's gone. So that, to me, when I first read it, I wondered it was a flaw. 
that she just they drew her they forgot she left with a turban but i think it's just is emma being in control yeah no i realized later when i was skimming back through it that's what they were trying to signify which i think is hilarious because this comic had so many like extra verbiage that we didn't really need that i where was the box that said because well, emma's now in control of her they body they didn't want you to know immediately oh they wanted to drag it out for the reveal right well, you knew something was up when Storm started ripping all of her clothes off. Yeah, and started smoking. <laughs> yeah, and her face changes. She looks like a twice her age. Yes, that's because the art. All right, so let's talk about the issue overall. Okay. The art in this issue is horrible. Awful. Some of the worst art we've ever had in the flashback episodes. All right, so the story is a good idea. Yeah. But, all right, so the logic, all right, so basically what's going on is Kitty's parents want to, want to send her to this really new school because they're getting a divorce, Well, which that, makes no sense. Okay, but that doesn't, okay, here's my thing. Is Did Kitty's parents even send this letter, or did the Hellfire Academy, or Hellfire? No, the X-Men contacted them. Kitty called and tried to talk them out of it. Like they were hell-bent on sending her to this new school. So they can get a divorce? She's not there. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think it's just represented. I think that the whole divorce thing was to try to make Kitty more relatable. And just kind of played weird. Also, the idea of switching bodies, it makes sense. So I had to infiltrate the X-Men. But leaving Storm with side powers is a horrible idea. Like, why would a bad guy do that? Why would Emma be like, oh... I'm going to take your body, but I'm going to leave you in my body with all my side powers. Yeah, I don't understand why they just didn't offer up some lesser minion. Right. Be like, you're going to do this because you really don't need your power. Right. We're going to get some out of shape guy. We're going to stick you with Storm's body. Go do our evil bidding. Meanwhile, Storm will be stuck here eating, you know, <laughs> McDonald's. And pizza. Right. So uh, glad to see the Hellfire Club back. But this is not the best way to bring maybe, them back. Maybe they were hoping they'd send a guy and then he'd be so distracted with the fact that he's in a girl's body. <laughs> Ooh, I have boobs. Right. You would just sit around masturbating all day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when I think about you, I touch myself. <laughs> all right. Um, so I feel like a better story. Yes. Would have been they take Kitty to the to the school, even if the logic doesn't make sense. They do it. Kitty gets there. Emma Frost brainwashes her, sends her back to the ex school. Ooh! And infiltrates the school that way. I like that. That's a better story. Yes. All right. Uh, anything else? No. <laughs> what are you gonna grade on Kitty X Men number one fifty one? It's gonna get three out of three. That's not a grade. Oh, I'm sorry. Three out of six. <laughs> three out of six claws from Denise. I'm going to also give it three out of six. It's okay. Eh. Art's horrible. I like the idea of the Hellfire Club trying to take over the X-Men, but I don't know. It could have been a lot better. Yeah, I just, I felt like there was a lot going on that I needed a dry erase board. <laughs> and the funny part is, is when you summarize it, it's like there really wasn't that much going on. But when you were in the midst of reading it, I was like, what? <laughs> well, that's Claremont for you. Summaries are always shorter than the actual script. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, cool. Let's move on. 
All right, moving on to number 152. Uncanny X-Men 152. Woohoo! Writer is Chris Claremont. Guest penciler is Bob McLeod. McLeod? I don't know how you got that. Uh, McLeod or McLeod, depending on. All right. Anchor is Joseph Rubenstein, and letterer is Janice Chang, and the colorist is Don Warfield, and the cover is by Bob McLeod. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Storm's legs are four times longer than she is. (laughs) So on this cover, we have a cat fight. It truly is a... um, Emma Frost and Storm in the air, fulfilling every almost lesbian fantasy that a 13-year-old boy in 1981 could have had. I was going to say, you have to add a boy in there somewhere. They're about to scissor each other, and... Emma Frost is pulling Storm's hair. There's gunfights and scantily yep. clad women and yep. big boobs and legs for days. And they're up in the air flying and everyone else is down on the ground <gasps> making right. Home Alone faces. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the X-Men on the bottom look pretty crappy. They look like... Um, Barbie dolls? They, yes, they do. They look <laughs> like dolls. Exactly. Or action figures. Yeah, that's exactly... They look like we set up little action figures and then took a picture. Other than it being bad, not erotica, <laughs> the Storm and Emma Frost stuff is not bad art. No, except for the proportion on the legs. The proportion is a little rough. But the art on the ground below them is pretty horrible. This cover gets up. <laughs> All right. All right. What's Are we our, done uh, making fun of the cover? Yeah. All right. So this is this chapter is the Hellfire Gambit, and what happens, Denise? We find Storm finger quotes. Yeah. Attacking a red car whose occupants are finger quotes the White Queen and Kitty. Kitty wakes up only to freak out and phase out of the car before it crashes. Yeah, because last we remember, Storm and Emma's body knocked her out. Right. And then decided, hey, let's take this knocked out kid for a car ride. That's right. Kitty comes to only to question the um, adequacies of her transportation in her in her unitard jammies. We should make a song out of that. In, in my, my unitard, unitard jammies. She spots Emma Frost and mentally questions for five minutes if she deserves to die. And in her best mean girl interpretation, Oro, a.k.a. Oro. Whatever. Storm, a.k.a. the White Queen, returns to Storm's apartment where Sebastian, and the whole time Storm is in finger quote, where Sebastian Shaw is waiting for her. And he basically admits he thinks Storm's body is hot. And That's right. And oh, some weird gun. He's got a storm in his pants. That's right. And not diarrhea. And while we think Storm is pulling out a wedgie, she's actually pulling out the gun that switched her bodies. <laughs> Um, blah, blah, blah. They plan. And so basically they say that they plan to destroy the X-Men from the inside. Hence why they switched consciences. Consciousnesses? Not bodies. Well, Well, okay. Same thing. Yeah. While Kitty wonders if Emma is Storm back at the school, everyone's been captured and Storm is the new white queen. Kitty and Frost hitch a ride. Storm gets jealous over Kitty's connection to her dance teacher. Meanwhile, Wolverine is getting all beat up. And Hellfire tells everyone, oops, sorry, Wolverine's dead. Kitty and Aurora, how do you, I've always said Oro. No, there's three syllables, Aurora. 
Aurora. Okay, so Kitty and Aurora sneak into the mansion and they find Wolverine alive. So Kitty just creates a distraction and a fight between the Hellfire and the X-Men breakout. Storm and Frost start a girl fight. Storm rips all of her clothes off. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Then tries to kill Frost, but she can't. And then the comic just sort of abruptly ends. Okay. Then, yeah, they decide, what, what is it, mutual? They're not going to say anything because if they if either party says anything, then they risk telling the world about them. Right. So Frost basically says, you have until Sebastian Shaw gets better before we come after you again. <laughs> yeah. Which makes absolutely no sense. Sebastian Shaw is unconscious. Frost is right there. You take them and you put them in mutant jail. I actually had that in my notes. <laughs> You don't go, hey, well, we're going to let you go so you can get better. And yeah. We'll finish this later. So I thought Kitty phasing through the car door was a nice panel. Her and her Disney eyes. Yeah. She makes a lot of those in this comic. Yes. But I thought showing it again two pages later in a recap was kind of dope. Yes. <laughs> like we literally just saw it. Yes. Like you realize, McCloud, you just drew this panel <laughs> the last page. Well, he, he, he needed to fill a panel. So really, a persona exchange gun? Yeah. That's some Silver Age bullshit right there. <laughs> That's straight up 50s and 60s. Yeah, so you talked about Kitty taking a really long time to save Emma's body. What happened was when Storm blew up the car with lightning... It, the wind blew her away. Yeah. Well, we storm away, but Emma's body fell out of the car, but the car was on fire, started with a forest fire, and Kitty was like, I should just let her burn. And then she says, but I'm supposed to be a hero. I'm supposed to save people. Right. So eventually she does. Yeah. All right. So I think the art's a little better this issue, a little bit. I think McCloud actually draws like a decently, kind of a mean girl, but kind of attractive Emma. Yeah. Like the, she's bitchy, but she's still hot. Yeah. I will say, so I did think... did a good job. Like, her face looks very model-esque, very pretty. Like, it's not dumb looking like the last issue. Well, and I will say, as much as I've made fun of Kitty's big doe eyes, I think his this artist's strong suit is when he draws people up close. When he yes. has to draw a whole bunch of stuff with a lot of detail, that's when his... That's not the strengths of his talent. Right. And so I think when it's, especially this panel of Frost, and it's just Frost up close, it's crisp, it's amazing. I think he did an awesome job. I agree. And then on the bottom of that page, we have one of the worst faces of Kitty I've ever seen. I I don't understand why. It it doesn't look like her at all. I don't know. What what does it look like? Like a bad baby doll that got burnt in a fire a little bit? What is that character that, um, oh, Meep. She looks like Meep. Okay, so if you don't have kids or you've never watched Phineas and Ferb, you're not going to understand. So Meep is this little alien that looks like a cross between a bear and a Hello Kitty. And he's got these big blue eyes and he just stares at people and stars and rainbows and shit come out from behind him. And everyone goes, aw. And right as I do that, he goes, Meep. No, so when I, I looked at that, old. when I saw that bottom panel, all I could think of was stars and rainbows and shit and meep. She looks like she's on meth. 
Yeah, she does. She kind of does look like a junkie. So Wolverine, we have our red Hellfire goons, the Hellfire Elite, and it turns out one woman is named Cole. But either way, these are two guys that are going to get their revenge on Wolverine because they're the guys back in 133 that Wolverine killed. Wait, Leland is also back who Wolverine killed off panel in that issue. So basically what we're saying is nobody that Wolverine killed in the Hellfire Club is actually dead. Bullshit! I hate that. That's so annoying. Okay, That no- was like the, the one of the best issues and it was Wolverine's like coming out party and he was just off the hook. If you want to go 90s style and be off the hook. And he was... He, he, not, not that like he has to kill people to be cool, but that was like that was just Wolverine unleashed, right? And basically, we just undid all of that. Ha ha! Just kidding. I mean, basically, what happened is he mutilated these Hellfire Club goons, and they were upgraded with bionics. They actually say in Wolverine's image. What? What part of him is their image? Well, I guess they have metal now, and he has a metal skeleton. And wow, stronger. that's a stretch. Yeah. Or maybe this is Claremont still not knowing what he's doing. There was a point a little while back where he said something about Wolverine almost being turned into a cyborg. So maybe he still hasn't let go of that completely by this point. I don't know. Oh, and I also kind of hate mutant inhibitor things. Because how do you inhibit genes without just killing the person? Well, they... Like, how can you use a collar to change someone's genetic makeup? Okay, well, here's my thing. If the collar is an inhibitor, then why does Cyclops have like a hood over his face? Well, that's a ruby quartz hood to block his beams. Right, but he has an inhibitor. <laughs> well, I guess in case the inhibitor falls off. From around his neck like a dog collar. Flaw. So I thought it was interesting that Stevie Wonder, I mean Hunter, has a Saab Turbo. Probably probably hot shit in 1981. I also like how Storm, a.k.a. Frost at this point, when Emma or um, <laughs> Kitty is no, trying she's to... hiding in the car. She's like well, sunk way down in her seat so no one can see her. Well, and when Kitty tries to phase out of the car to get a better look, she puts her hand down her pants. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of pervy. <laughs> I... And, the and, worst part is Kitty's face in the next panel. It was yeah. like, ooh, I might have enjoyed that. Right, right. I just imagine that, that, you know, Kitty's a kid, right? Right. So Stevie was like, hey, Emma, check Kitty's diaper, will you? I think I smell some poop. <laughs> so she sticks her finger down her pants and just pulls it out, <laughs> sniffs it. No, nope, she's clean. You don't sniff. You pull and look. You don't. Have to stick, you stick your, your finger, finger in there. No. You, you wipe the bum hole and you sniff it with your nostril. Baby, when we have kids, you're I'm not just assuming that Kitty's Kitty's poop always phases anyway. So she can shit her pants and just go right through her shorts, through the bottom of the car, down to the center of the earth. That must make car Come back travel. out in China. The Chinese are like, why does all this poop keep coming out of the ground? That must make car travel awesome. She never has to that'd be, stop. That would be a great power to build a phase your poop. She never just, has to stop. Yeah, just drive along. Yep. Just poop right out the car. You never, I think about it. You, you never have to wipe? You never have to take a break at a meeting? No. Keep going. Just turn transparent and let that chip go. Uh, the secret powers of Kitty Pride. <laughs> oh. The stuff they never talk about. <laughs> oh, man. Right, so um, we do get some life lessons by Wolverine. 
All right, so here we go. I'll be Wolverine giving life lessons and you be Cole. So you, you just hit me with a gun. Boom! That situation can easily be remedied. What a bet, Cole. Go ahead, crazy man. Gut me. You'll be doing me a mercy. <laughs> That's the phrase, I guess. <laughs> All me and my partners lived was seeing you dead Wolverine. Wolverine. If we can't have that, it's better to die ourselves. Why? Because I cut you months ago? At the time, you were trying to kill me. Remember? Yeah, and because of what you did, they made us freaks! Part human, but mostly machine. Is that all? Man, you're pathetic. So what if you're bionic? There are worse fates. You're alive, Cole. A thinking, breathing, feeling human being, or at least you're supposed to be. Artificial parts, mechanical limbs can't take that essential humanity away, just as flesh and blood can't give it to you. I can grant your wish, bub, but I won't. You aren't worth the effort. <laughs> Life Lessons. It's just good to be alive by Wolverine. A sage among Killer psychos. All right, so Storm turns back into herself. They switch bodies with their little Freaky Friday gun. And apparently Storm hates clothes because the first thing she does when she gets back in her body is shreds her outfit with lightning. She has to be naked. Yes, I must be naked to kill Emma. I did think it was interesting that Wolverine, of all people, is the one that stops Storm from killing Emma. So Storm has her hand around Emma's throat. Yumi Storm, another dramatic reading by the podcast that goes snicked. Stand aside, Wolverine. And watch you destroy yourself, not flaming likely. Anyone can kill, princess. It's easy, I know. What takes courage and strength, what separates the humans from the animals, is not killing. Some people are warriors, darling, born to kill. That's me. Oh yeah. And some exist to show us there's a better way. That's you. There's so much beauty in you, Roro. It'd be a shame to spoil it for the likes of her. It is strange hearing such philosophy from your lips, my friend. But your point is well taken. Hi, I'm Kitty. Shall I call the police? No, kitten. We cannot expose the Hellfire Club without exposing ourselves. Ooh, let's expose ourselves. (laughs) She already did. Yeah, she ripped all her clothes off. But neither can they expose us. And our mutual fear of discovery lies mutual safety. Is that not so, Emma? Ow! Keep silent, Aurora. You have my word. The inner circle, the secret evil heart of the Hellfire Club, is nothing without Shaw. Until he recovers, if he recovers, you have nothing to fear from us. And scene. And they're not going to jail. Yeah, mutual safety, whatever. Professor X should really stop letting bad guys go. Yeah. What's the point of being like, we're going to have an academy? Maybe that's his way of keeping the school in business. I guess so. That's his business model. We're going to catch bad guys and then let them go so that we have more bad guys to catch. Right. Ergo, I can start charging more for tuition. (laughs) All right. So I thought the art was okay. We kind of talked about some of McCloud's strengths. I didn't think the art, like, overall blew me out of the water, but I thought it was, it was good. It was workable. 
it got better. So I thought the story took last issue's story and made it a little bit better. And I really like Wolverine in this issue. Kind of the different takes. He's, you know, a badass, but he also is looking out for a storm and trying to keep her from going down his path. Well, that was really cool. It was really cool. And I think, you know, as much as Wolverine likes to pretend he's the badass and likes to, you know, come on, yeah. bub. And we whatnot. all know he has a good heart. Yeah, we know he has a good heart, but he is very wise. Yeah, well, he's been around a while. He's, yeah. he's, he's gone down many roads. And so I think it's good to have those moments where he kind of like... Shows that. Yeah, like, yeah. hey, I'm smarter than Professor X. <laughs> he's not just a mindless animal. Like, he actually has learned from experiences and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoy Wolverine's portrayal in this book. All right, so when are you going to give Uncanny X-Men 152? I'm actually going to give it, because of Wolverine's sage advice, because otherwise I thought it sucked, I'm going to give it four out of six. Okay. I'm going to give it three out of six claws. I didn't think the story overall was that good. No. I like the character moments, but that's about it. Okay, so lastly, we have Uncanny X-Men 153. Kenny's Fairy Tale, I guess is the title. This is written by Chris Claremont. Art by Dave Cockrum and Joseph Rubenstein. Or Rubenstein. Gwyneth Wine is a colorist. Tom Orzakowski is a letterer. And the cover is by Dave Cockrum and Joseph Rubenstein. And it's not great. Basically, it's Kitty holding some popcorn and a Coke. Actually, it's a cola. And there's some post torn up movie posters on a wall. And it's basically Kitty's fairy tale. And there's a dragon wagging its tail. Yeah, in the bottom. I didn't... I forgot this was Lockheed's uh, first appearance, but we'll talk about that. All right, so the X-Men are cleaning up the X-Mansion after the Hellfire Club's attack. It's Ileana's bedtime, and she's scared because, well, they just got attacked. Oops. Colossus and Kenny go to tuck her in. Luckily, Professor X telepathically taught everyone Russian because teaching a whole team Russian is easier than teaching one little girl English. <laughs> So Kitty can tell her a bedtime story featuring the X-Men, kind of, in the Dark Phoenix saga, kind of, but with a happy ending. All the X-Men eavesdrop because they love the story. The end. Well, we got Cockrum back as our regular artist. I think this this, uh, mansion has way more damage than um, what actually happened. That's kind of how it seemed, yeah. So I thought it was cool that Ileana had a stuffed Fozzie bear. Waka waka. She has a Muppet. All right. So then we kick into Kitty's fairy tale. We have two first appearances. We have Lockheed, who will somehow later move out of her fairy tale into real life and become her pet dragon. Be interested to see how that actually happens because I don't remember. And then if you've been a fan of Wolverine and the X-Men in our modern episodes, we have our first appearance of a Banff in Kitty's fairy tale. That kind of looks like a Smurf. Yes, that's what I wrote too. A Smurfy Banff. I thought it was cool that Logan's... All right, so basically in this fairy tale that Kitty tells, it's, the, it's, it's like Dark Phoenix meets the Princess Bride. That's a good example. And um, so all the X-Men are converted into characters for this story. So Kitty's a pirate. Colossus is her pirate partner. Cyclops AKA is a, her true love. Yes. Cyclops is a prince. Professor X is a wizard. Storm's a genie. Nightcrawler's a little bamf that runs around. Uh, Lockheed's actually the Blackbird, which I guess Lockheed is the company that makes the Blackbird. Is that what he's named after? 
I had no, all this time, I had no idea that Lockheed was named after a plane. <laughs> Jean Grey's the princess, but what I really like is that Logan is the fiend with no name. That actually fits because he's so mysterious in real life. Yeah, but he kind of looks like a monkey. He does. He, he kind of looks horrible. He looks with like a little, sock monkey, an evil sock monkey. I don't see that, but okay. He does have a tiny little cowboy hat. It's like penis sized. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was cool because, you know, there's so much not known about Wolverine's past. And now in the, in the story, he's the fiend with no name. Also, and you, let's talk about this. Maybe, do you think it's just proportion? Because this fairy tale creature is very small. Yes. He's diminutive. Do you think that's a cigarette that's just bigger because he's smaller? Or do you think, or do you think that's a cigar? Well, okay. Because if it's a cigar... On the front cover, it's brown like a cigar. Yeah. Well, he's been smoking those cigarellos, those brown cigarettes. Yeah, but it looks fatter. It does, but I can't tell... It. I guess I'm asking you, is that just proportion, or is it? do you think it's actually a cigar? I think it's a cigar. Okay. Well, in that case, in a weird way, in this fairy tale, we have our first Wolverine cigar, huh. which will become a staple of his in the upcoming time. Yeah. Up to now, he's been, he's, like I said, he's been smoking those brown cigarettes, those cigarellos or whatever you want to call them. Right. But um, yeah, so this is our first cigar. It's not even actually him. <laughs> Interesting. So I like that the only weapon that can defeat the Dark Phoenix is Gene's soul. Interesting. Which, which is like in a little ball the Professor X have. It kind of looks like the psychic snow globe that Lelandra gave Gene's family in real life. So I thought that was cool. Oh, who's Colleen? I don't know. Lockheed. At first, I thought it was just a mistake, but several times Lockheed calls Kitty Colleen, which, of course, I think this is just a sign that Claremont was writing too many books. Because Colleen Wing is a character in uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, which Claremont was also writing at this time. One of the several books he was writing, he was also writing Spider Woman. Marvel team up a lot of the time. He was a busy cat. So I literally think he just forgot what story he was writing and the editors didn't catch it. That's my theory. So we find out that Wolverine doesn't like to feel silly. Uh Uh-oh. Maybe he shouldn't look like a monkey. No, that's in real life. Oh. (laughs) Maybe he shouldn't look like a monkey. Yeah. And the Nightcrawler's, he's the first one to eavesdrop on the story and he calls Wolverine over you apparently just took a shower with a cigarette. Now, this is getting to be more cigarish, too. Yeah, it is. So, okay. Maybe maybe it is a Maybe person. it's a slow transition. But see, in this panel, it's not. No, it looks like a cigarette. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're getting sloppy. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they're whispering, and Wolverine basically tells Nightcrawler, the story better be good fuzzy, because I feel pretty silly standing here, and I don't like to feel silly. So Professor X talks about the Phoenix power. And this is actually the best description we've had yet of the Phoenix power in relation to human host. Because Professor X says, um, But to all things, all creatures are their proper seasons. The Phoenix force is meant to be used by an adult on the cosmic scale. And Homo sapiens is a race no more than an infant. As well, there exists within everyone a dark side to balance and give meaning to the light. 
Because Gene lacked the cosmic awareness, the maturity of self, to properly contain the Phoenix Force, it disrupted the balance within her soul and the dark side gained ascendancy. That was a really good description in this fairy tale that Kitty made up. Just showing that Kitty understands the Phoenix power better than Professor X. Yeah, and I feel like I need a PhD to understand what they just said. I thought it made a lot of sense. It was very poetic. It's very poetic. I just, I kind of feel like if the human race is on the low end of the spectrum, why'd they pick a human? They were drawn to Jean's psionic power, or psychic powers, or psi powers. Oh, okay. So down here in the corner, for no reason, we have a naked fairy <laughs> that does not come back. She just trots across the scene with no little naked self. So Kitty is resting in the fairy tale. Maybe the Banff ate her. Maybe so. The Banff is pretty pervy. <laughs> but she's having a nifty but naughty dream about Colossus. Ooh. So then she gets Banffed in the face and a little smurfy Banff tries to grope her. And that's what he said. Yeah. But I actually like the smurfy Banff. He looks like, never mind. What? He looks like pedophile Smurf. Kind of. They are like, girl, 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 I saw her first. She's mine, mine, mine. It's like the seagulls in Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 right. mine. All right, so then we get Tasmanian Devil Wolverine. <laughs> he shows up in a tornado, and he's got a six-pack of cores, it looks like. Ugh. Yeah, and a little tiny cowboy hat for his penis that he wears on his head. But yeah, he's got a beer, and this is definitely a cigar. Oh, yeah. So, if the X-Men are really listening, then I'm pretty sure both Cyclops and Wolverine would be super pissed about Kitty's interpretation of Wolverine's feelings. But they're both like, oh, no, it's a great story. Or, you know, you said I was in love with Gene, and Scott was really in love with Gene. Yeah, whatever. I didn't. I know it's just her fairy tale, and it doesn't truly reflect reflect Wolverine's fear factor. I didn't like that the fiend was so scared of Lockheed. He's like a cartoon cat, like jumps up on Colossus's shoulders, wraps around his neck. It's kind of lame. I did like we get a really long claw, which would be a staple of some of the more stylized artists in the mid-80s, early 90s. But this is our first appearance of a super long Wolverine claw when we get our snicked and he stabs Lockheed to make him shoot flames. And then, of course, everybody falls off and Storm has to grant their wish to fly and they all grow wings. And Wolverine's given a middle finger. I can't tell which one it is. But yeah, it could be. I think it's the middle finger claw. All right. So what do you think of this issue? Eh... I thought the art was pretty good. I thought the art was good. I just kind of felt like it was filler. It was filler. It's definitely filler. But I thought, I thought it was pretty good filler overall. These are normally the kind of comics I hate. Well, I will say after reading the previous two, this one was kind of like a breath of fresh air. Like, oh, I don't have to think so hard. Yeah. Well, and Kitty's story was pretty good. And there's actually like... Hidden in this silly fairy tale, a lot of really good truths about the X-Men. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I thought it was very cool. It was very cool. So anyway, I thought the art was pretty good, and the story, while, while silly and while a filler, it kept my interest, and I liked all kind of the symbolism in it. And I liked, you know, 
the fairy tale versions of our X Men through Kitty's eyes. Yeah. Some pretty cool little character moments. All right, so what are you going to grade Uncanny X-Men 153? I'm going to give it three out of six. Okay, I'm going to give it four out of six claws. <laughs> okay, so that's going to do it for this episode, this flashback episode. I um, hope you enjoyed it. These episodes were uh, pretty kitty-focused, I thought. Yeah. Which I want to say, you know, a lot of people complain that a lot of the new X-Men characters that are introduced don't really stick. Right. Like they used to back in the day. Now I'll say a couple of things. First of all, there are obviously some exceptions nowadays. Like I think Quentin Choir stuck pretty well. Yeah. Um, Brew. Yeah, to a lesser degree. Well, he, the jury's still out on him. He's still pretty new. What about Dupe? Just kidding. I almost dropped the F bomb. Um, <laughs> but I think honestly, new writer, more modern writers could learn a thing from Claremont here. Because Claremont introduced Kitty, and there was a little bit of break, because right, right after she showed up, we had the Dark Phoenix saga, which she was not in. Right. But then ever since the Dark Phoenix saga has ended, like three out of every four issues, she's been a major part of. So basically, instead of her just being another person on the team, like she is front and center. And not to the um, detriment of the other characters, like, we're still getting a lot of Storm and Wolverine development and Nightcrawler and Colossus. And part of it is, is just a smaller team. We're really focusing on, like, six X-Men right now. Right. I think also the fact that there's a new character and you introduce her and she is, like, a major part. She's not just, oh, we're going to show up every five issues and have her do something. Which I feel like they do with new characters nowadays. And then part of it also, Kitty's just a really strong character. She is. She has really cool powers. She's a good character. She has a lot of depth. Anyway, I just I wanted to point out that I thought Claremont was doing something really right. Well, and you are right. How many comics have we read where there's a new character and we we comment this character could be very cool, and they then don't really do anything. No, then they're gone, right. or they're just drawn in the background of another issue. Right, or even they're not quote unquote in the background. They're still don't, they don't feel important. Right. Anyway, just thought I'd point that out because especially all three of these issues were very heavy on Kitty. But that said, we still got a lot of Wolverine goodies. We found out for sure that at least for now, uh, the claws are housed in the forearms. Yes, where where they they should be. That is where they should be. I agree. So that's good. Wolverine doesn't like to feel silly. Uh Uh-oh. We get our first cigar in a fairy tale and in one panel, maybe in real life. Maybe. Of all things, this is actually our first alternate version of Wolverine that we ever get. This little fairy tale story with the fiend with no name, the Tasmanian devil Wolverine. Ooh. Is our first alternate version. Interesting. Yeah. And we get our, like I said, we get our first really long claw. It's not in the real world. And it's a middle finger claw. Yeah, maybe so. Anyway, that's what we get from Wolverine. I hope you enjoyed this uh, shorter flashback episode. I feel like we got some good stuff and had some fun. We got to learn a lot about Kitty's secret bathroom powers and um, other good stuff. (laughs) Hopefully it wasn't too rambling. I'll admit I was a little buzzed. But anyway, yeah, so next up will be a mega... It is mega. Mega April issue from April 2014. the stack he told me I have. comics and... Some pretty more big Wolverine news to talk about. Ooh, spoiler? So, yeah. 
Yeah, probably so. So, and the next flashback episode will be Year 8, Part 1. And that'll be me and Cameron will be back for that one. Can I have so. shameless plug? Sure. If you don't like it, you can always edit it out. It depends on what you're plugging. Okay, so... Hair plugs? Yes. I think everyone should do hair... No, just kidding. No, so here's my shameless plug. So, I'm going to ask a favor of all of our Snickcast fans that I want you to give up one comic for the month. Comics what? Three dollars? Yeah, a hard time. Four dollars. All right, fine. Maybe pretend you were going to buy an extra comic, but don't really buy it. Right, and take that five dollars, and let's put it towards a good cause. So, um, for example, I'm running the Chicago Marathon in October. What? What? Yep, Chicago baby. 26.2. Anyway, as part of running the marathon, I'm running on Team Live Strong, which if you're, fr- I'm sure everyone's familiar with, with Live Strong, but basically they help people who are fighting cancer right now. And whatever you have against Lance Armstrong, pfft, you know what? He doesn't have anything he's, to do with it anymore. He's barely the spokesman. So. Yeah, but it is a good organization that helps people dealing with cancer right now and they also have advocates who are helping fund cancer research so it's a good organization all the way around anyway as part of running on their team i have a fundraising goal so if you would like to donate five dollars ten dollars twenty five dollars really let's not let's not make it too bad please donate five or ten dollars but even just donate one dollar that's more people that do it then we can meet our goal pretty quickly. Yeah. And so we're about 30% to our goal. So I have until October to help raise the other 70%. So yeah, like you said, a dollar. Yeah. Anything that helps us get there. The okay, links. So how can they do that? Okay. So the link's pretty long. So the best thing for you to do. If she gives it to me I on time, I will put it in the show notes. Okay. Uh, if you have, is there a short way to get to it for people that don't look at the show notes? You know what? Friend me on Twitter and I'll start throwing it in my Twitter feed or email the show and Jason can email you back. All right. But let's make it as easy as possible. Okay. Because people resist things they have to take initiative on. <laughs> What's your Twitter? My Twitter is at D-A-S underscore Venable. So Venable is V is in victory. E-N-A-B as in boy, L-E. So I'll start throwing the um, link up on Twitter. So help out, guys, where you can. If you can. I mean, no one should feel pressured to, but we would be greatly appreciative of it. That's right. And if for whatever reason you have someone who's fighting cancer right now, feel free to uh, shoot Jason an email with their name, and I'll be happy to write it on my shirt. That's right. So they can also run. Yeah, run with her. Yep. Or she runs with them, or however that works. Right. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of things we appreciate, uh, please leave an iTunes review. Uh, please like the Facebook page. Please follow us on Twitter at Snickcast. You can email anything about the podcast, about comics, about rumors, about Wolverine in the movies, um, about Denise's marathon, any and or all of that, Snickcast at yahoo.com. Um, show notes are at snickcast.podbean.com. I think that covers it. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.